coming up. Renovations, rehabilitations, and conflagrations. Plus, Satan could use a handy drinking with the devil, and we'll dial the number of the geeks. It's all all right on this impeccably dressed episode of Kiss the Goat. Shrine of Satanic Cinema have opened once again. And if one of you could also open the back door to the Shrine of Satanic Cinema, that would be great. This place could really use a nice cross breeze. Yeah. Oh, and if you had to park across the street, please check in with Stephanie. She's the naked woman on the altar. Right, right. She's going to validate your parking for you. Gather around, Acolytes. Things are about to get sticky. Sticky? I don't know, dude. It was the first word I came up with. <laughs> I don't know if I would have gone with sticky. Well, it's Home Improvement Day here at Kiss the Goat. During movie time, we'll see what happens to some of the finest actors of the 1970s when they try to fix up an old house in the 1978 drive-in classic, The Evil. <sighs> sticky. But let's kick off the show with... I mean... I'm not sticky. I'm not even sweaty. I'm not even wet. Can we get on with the show, please? I'm sorry, I got distracted. It's time for the Devil in the Details, our roundup of snippets of Satan stuff. In March 2021, a woman riding on the Boston subway. See? Boston has a subway! I wonder if it goes to Washington fucking D.C. A woman reported that a man completely clad in black, including a full face mask and a black hood, revealed to her that he was indeed the Prince of Darkness. The woman said the man showed her a message that he had typed on his phone, which read, I am Satan. Satan then proceeded to stare at the woman. I thought his whole face was covered with a mask. Well, maybe not his eyes. Maybe it was a ski mask. Maybe it was a clown mask. (laughs) Maybe it was a dead skin mask. That would have been the best. Now, see, that would have been sticky. God damn it. (laughs) So after Satan made his infernal presence known, the woman reported him to transit officers. Satan said he was just trying to flirt with the woman. I was going to try and get her number, Satan told the cops. It's (laughs) It's hilarious to me that Satan has a hard time getting a date. It's also fucking funny that Satan doesn't know what this woman's number is. Like, shouldn't he fucking... Just omnipotence? Like, give him her number? 
Well, you would think, but I mean, if you go by Hollywood occultism, Satan really wants to have unprotected sex with a human woman. So I don't know, there'd be some kind of antichrist devil baby roaming the earth. Why doesn't Satan have Tinder? What would his dating profile look like? Ooh, Tinder. So fallen angel likes dogs. I'll finger bang your soul out. Occupation, barista. JK, I'm the king ruler of hell. No fatties. <laughs> Locals only. <laughs> so Satan got booted off the subway system, and the woman received a police escort to her destination. Her final destination. Hell. hell. Well, if you ask cops in Utah, Satan is a woman in January. Cops in Provo responded to a call at a 7-Eleven store. Now, according to the reports, the cashier was allegedly bonked on the head during a robbery by a woman in a wheelchair. <laughs> wait, wait, how did she reach the cashier's head if she was in a wheelchair? Hey, man, I mean, baseball bats are long. I mean, this kind of extends your reach quite a bit. Oh, well, there is something to be said for a decent length. A cop showed up, but the woman had already left the scene, and when the police found her, she started banging the baseball bat against the ground in what was described as a, quote, a confrontational and aggressive manner, end quote. Jesus, that sounds like a deleted scene from the Warriors. So after the police took her down, she identified herself to authorities as Satan. However, her real name was Cammie Ann Cutler. Cammy Ann Cutler. That sounds so benign. Like, not at all the kind of person you would expect to thwack a 7-Eleven cashier in the head with a baseball bat. Yeah, well, Satan, Cammy, Cammy Satan, Satan had also been captured on surveillance footage a couple of days prior, lifting a bottle of booze from a Provo liquor store. Oh, was Satan in the wheelchair then? I, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, did she need the wheelchair, or was that just a bit of demonic subterfuge? I, I don't know. I mean, it's Satan. I figure he can do whatever he wants, including use a wheelchair. All right, so maybe it was just a sympathy ploy, because it seems like what we've learned today is that Satan can't get a date, can't afford to buy liquor, and has mobility issues. I think if Cammy Ann had unfurled leathery wings from her back <laughs> and flown away into the night, I'm sure we'd have seen it on the telly. That's potentially true. You know, Satan just seems socially awkward. Well, I guess hitting someone on the head with an aluminum bat is one way to ask someone out on a date. Oh, Satan. Will you ever get laid? Should he be like, Fucking a jackal or something? Are there jackals on Tinder? Oh, shit, probably in more ways than one. Oh, God. All right, I'm ready to start movie time, baby. Let's have Stephanie refill our drinks and begin watching this episode's piece of devil drink. Oh, shit, I'm for it. Hey, Stephanie, more wine. Bring me about six beers. Six at once? Shit, I don't even start to taste them until about the fourth one. Right. I need to start talking about this flick. It's almost better if you don't think of it as a movie. Think of this motion picture as the best episode of a home improvement show that you've ever seen. And you know the ones I mean. (laughs) 
where they go into an old house and fix it up, you know, install new fixtures, build new rooms, put shiplap on the walls. Oh, God, shiplap. God, I hate that word. Why? It just sucks to say shiplap. Shiplap. It just feels sticky. <laughs> it's like wood from a boat. So where's the lap? What's the lap part? Okay, shh, 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 shh. it's movie time. episode's movie is The Evil from 1978, starring a metric buttload of B-level stars from the 1970s, including, but not limited to, Richard Crenna. Now, you might know Crenna from such cinematic classics as Devil Dog, The Hound of Hell, and Death Ship. I want you to say metric buttload of B-level stars from the 70s five times fast. No. <laughs> Not after as many beers as I've had, no. I'll say it. Metric buttload of B-level stars. Shiplap. Shiplap. Well, Krenna also played Colonel Sam Troutman, John Rambo's commanding officer in the Rambo series of films. The Evil also stars one of our personal favorite actors, Andrew Prine. Prine appeared in a lot of B-movies in the 1970s and 1980s, including movies like Grizzly and the softcore incest porn disguised as a horror movie, Amityville 2, The Possession. Mm-hmm. And Prine also starred in one of our favorite chunks of satanic cinema, Simon, King of the Witches. That movie is some kind of great. And if you really want to lend your precious time to the effort, you can hear us talk about Simon, King of the Witches on episode nine of Kiss the Goat, which you can find on the Legion Podcast Network. Of course, when you listen to the episode, we say it's episode 10. <laughs> I, I don't know numbers. Well, this could be our thousandth episode, and I wouldn't know. We drink. Hey, our friend Gary Hill procured an autographed picture of Andrew Prine for us, and I've really got to find a frame for that thing. Prine deserves to occupy prime space on our walls. Hell yeah, he does. But, I mean, he was in The Lords of Salem, and you've got a giant frame poster of that movie over your desk. I do. Yeah, some hot woman I know got that for me. Damn right, and I'm still fucking pissed at Stephanie about that. Who else is in this movie? Uh, Joanna Pettit, who was in a lot of movies where she was skinny and blonde. <laughs> and there's Lynn Moody, who was in Scream, Blackula Scream. Mary Louise Weller, who appeared in Larry Cohen's Aztec stop-motion extravaganza Q. Oh, and Robert Viharo, who starred in the action movie Bare Knuckles, which X really likes, and I really don't remember. Oh, okay, Bare Knuckles is an acquired taste. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Evil was directed by Gus Triconis, who was a bit of a journeyman. Triconis was in West Side Story in 1961. He was married to Goldie Hawn for a year. 
and he directed one episode of one of my favorite TV shows, Unsub. And I could talk for days about Unsub, but I won't because we don't have that long. Along with the evil, Triconis directed a movie called Supercock. <laughs> Supercock? Supercock. That may be one of the best movie titles I have ever heard. <laughs> was that a John Holmes movie? Don't, don't get too excited. It was a movie about illegal rooster fighting in the Philippines. Cockfights! <laughs> Are you sure that it wasn't a John Holmes movie? Maybe engaged in Mortal Kombat against Peter North and Ron Jeremy? No. That was, uh... That was Birds. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> Well, they retitled the movie A Fistful of Feathers. <laughs> That's not any better. That just makes it sound like somebody was choking the chicken. You know, there's not there's not a good title. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a cast like the one that Evil has, you know it's going to be just a countdown to destruction. Movies like the Evil usually kill off their characters in ascending order. Which is why the opening sequence is all about the death of the caretaker. Oh, wait, wait. Before we go into the body count, let's set this thing up. Okay, right, 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 right. Um, This is also a good time to warn people that the evil is over 40 years old, so we don't feel any kind of moral or ethical pull to not spoil the squirming shit out of this movie. (laughs) Exactly. So... If for some reason the evil is on your bucket list of movies to watch before you die, y'all might want to skip out on this episode now. Christ, why would this be on your fucking... (laughs) Okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, look, here's the deal with the evil. Krenna plays a super rational professor who buys a Civil War era mansion in order to rehab the place into a giant drug detox center. Uh, Joanna Pettit plays his wife. Andrew Prine is another professor who doesn't quite discount the supernatural. He brings one of his students, whom he happens to be banging, (laughs) along to the house to help with the rehab. Yeah, and then some other people show up too, including Lynn Moody as the only person of color in the whole movie. But you know what? Who cares? Because we know... All of them are there just to get knocked off, so the only question is in which order that will happen. Either way, it's all right. It's all right. I've never heard characters in a haunted house movie tell each other that things are all right when they are clearly not fucking all right so many times in one film. (laughs) I know. So let's let's get back to the death of the caretaker, who... Up until this point, had never been inside the house. We know he's never been inside the house because he keeps talking about it out loud to himself as he's walking into the house. Never been in this house before. It's just a house. I mean, what the fuck was he taking care of anyway? This caretaker starts hearing weird noises in the old mansion that has over 200 rooms, and he wonders why. What? Strange noises in an old house? This guy's the fucking Ranger Brad of the evil. I've seen old houses do things even an old house wouldn't do. So the caretaker is there to clean up the house, and he's got a broom, a bucket, Mm -hmm. a pipe wrench, and one rag. And that's all he brings. 
fucking mansion over 200 rooms, and it's he's just, like, oh, this this is this is all right. It's like a Branch Davidian compound, and he's like, uh, just some spit and polish, we'll be fine. Um, so but he goes downstairs, because that's where the voices are, and for some reason, he looks for people inside the fucking furnace. Because that's where they hide. You know, when they break into old abandoned houses, they, they hide in the fucking furnace. So when he opens up the furnace door, and he pokes his head in, like, all the way in, like, up to his shoulders in, and then he's like, oh, it's all right. Everything's cool. It's fine. And then he gets fucking blasted by fire, and he burns to death in the goddamn basement. It's a great scene, too, because this guy... This guy pokes his head in this fucking furnace, and he's muttering to himself the whole time. And then he he's like, he's convinced that it's okay. And then all of a sudden, this flames shoot out of this fucking furnace. And then he turns, and you could see the stunt actor like completely swaddled in this, this I guess, fire repellent cloth. I don't know, but it's very, very obvious. This is no longer the same person. This is someone that is just completely. <laughs> mummied and in flames. <laughs> it's almost as good as a fucking dummy drop. It really is. It's like, oh, dummy. Oh, look, stunt person wrapped up in fucking cloth. You said swaddled. Yes, that, that human being is completely swaddled, head to toe. You can see oh absolutely God. no skin. Which, I mean, you wouldn't want them to because fucking flames, but... Oh, my God. I don't know what Tony Cesare would have to say about that. Anyway, all these people fucking show up. So Richard Crenna shows up. His dumbass wife shows up. Andrew Prine shows up. And then all these other people who are like, oh, we're students. We're volunteers. We'll help you take care of this house and make everything okay. I well, want to um, interject because I don't think Crenna's wife was the dumbass here. Okay. that's And you know what? That's fair. I think he was the fucking dumbass. Oh. She was intuitive, and she picked up on shit, and she tried to tell him about it, and he was like, oh, denial. No, no, this isn't happening. So Dr. Carolyn, no, not a dumbass. She was the smartest one there. Okay, that's fair. However, I, yeah, I can't even defend my point. My whole thing about Dr. Carolyn is that she keeps saying the same shit over and over, and no one pays any attention to her and it's really fucking funny so anyway everybody shows up and they're all getting ready we're gonna rehab this house we're gonna clean it up and there's 200 rooms and there's the basement and blah, 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 blah. now when they go down into the basement there is a door that goes down under the basement that is being held closed by i guess an iron cross with kind of a rambo knife at the end of it it's got serrated edges and whatnot yeah, I don't think that symbol is orthodox. No. But it's interesting. Yeah, so Richard Crenna takes that out, which, pff, fuck, we watch movies. We know what that shit means. You've just cracked the seal. You, he does. You but dick. I, I mean, a whole lot of weird shit happens before he actually gets to that point. Um, like, Dr. Carolyn oh, yeah. starts seeing the fucking ghost of this person, and it's like leading her through the house. <laughs> One of the first, the first, no, it was the very first time that she saw this like 
uh, full-bodied apparition. A, a split second later, she sees a fucking like gargoyle head that's on the fireplace. Like it moves and looks at her, and she freaks out and she tells you know, dude, whatever his name is, I can't remember her husband's <laughs> name. CJ um, or J. CJ. That's right. It's something J. But she's like, I thought I saw. I thought I saw – and that's dumb. Like that annoys me. Like the fact that she sees the shit and she picks up on the shit, but she doesn't communicate it very well. It's like, god damn, woman, come on. Just say it. The uh, fact that she sees the statue head move and tells him that but doesn't say anything about the ghost, that pisses me off. Yeah, like somehow the statue moving might be more believable than seeing a spirit. I don't know. I don't, but I don't this, get it. Yeah. So this this ghost that she keeps seeing um, throughout like the first 20 minutes of the film finally leads her into one of the rooms um, off from the main area of the house. And she finds this fucking diary and it's the diary of Emilio Vargas, who apparently was the builder of this house. And so it's his spirit that's like leading her around. Now, most of the pages in the diary are blank except for like two pages, mm -hmm. which have these weird sort of quatrains that would make Nostradamus jealous. <laughs> but it's all about you know, don't take the seal off of the thing in the basement. Don't fuck with shit. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, that just, much was just leave. Kinda... It was kind of clear, right? Like, the door is sealed. Don't fucking open the seal. And what does CJ do? Like, within 10 minutes of the film, after they find the diary that says, you know, I put this fucking seal on the door to keep the evil in, he goes and fucking removes the seal. Like, it's in his way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like he was going to trip over it, but he's just like, well, this is stupid. Why is this here? <laughs> And then the fucking door opens and dry ice smoke just comes billowing out and you know things are about to head south. And as soon as he does that, the house locks itself up. The Locked doors up, lock, the shutters pull across the windows, and they are trapped inside. Yeah, and all the any glass that's exposed is like suddenly shatterproof. <laughs> like they can't break any of the glass in the house. And it's sort of storming for no reason. <laughs> it's storming because of Satan. Satan makes it rain. Make it rain, baby. So, so yeah, the house gets locked up, and all kinds of weird shit starts happening. And I don't. I feel like some shit happens before this, but there's one scene where um, the black girl, Felicia, is – yeah, I know some crazy shit does go down because she, like, falls partway down the stairs, I think it is, and, like, knocks her head on the railing. So um, – who, who remembers this? Because all it is is just people screaming. It's, it is a lot of people screaming and a lot of, like, the house shaking and, like – nothing real tangible just to, and everybody trying to logic it away like oh it's it's a fucking earthquake or oh it's because of the storm and all kinds of weird shit um but this this particular scene i felt like was building up to something and then just completely fucking stopped and i don't know why it was but felicia gets the shit slapped out of her by this ghost, this entity, whatever it is, gets her clothes ripped off, 
right down to her underwear, and you're thinking, oh, my girl, my God, this girl's about to get ghost raped. Like, she's about to get it. She's screaming and carrying on, and this scene feels like it lasts for fucking ever, and everybody else in the house is gathered, gathered together, like, just down the hall, maybe two rooms down, and nobody hears anything until, like, the very fucking end. And this girl is screaming for all she's worth. They finally hear her screaming, and they come running, and they're able to get into the room. So, like, I don't know why they can't get out the exterior doors, but they can get in the interior doors. I don't know. But she doesn't get ghost raped. She's just stripped down to her undies and slapped around a lot. And I can't figure out what kind of shitty rustler denim that girl was wearing that the ghost <laughs> was able to rip her jeans basically in half right down through the crotchal area and then throw her on the bed and then leave. Yeah. I, I mean, we were talking about Tinder earlier. I think maybe that's how most Tinder dates end. <laughs> I don't know never, this for a fact. Never been on Tinder. I haven't either. <laughs> so anyway, that we find out that the hole in the basement is this portal to hell. Right. Because when um, dumbass CJ removes the seal, it like explodes and all this crazy shit starts happening after that. So then they try to get out. Well, even, yeah. even before they try to get out, Pete, who is some other volunteer redneck jackass who shows up at the house, for some reason he decided to, you know, it would be great if I would just pack a hanging harness. And take it to this house and pretend to kill myself? That would be funny as shit. So Pete does that in front of two of the girls that are in the house. And he's a dumbass. And they just leave him hanging to his own devices. And that's fine. But yeah, he's an idiot. He's... How do I describe Pete? Uh... If Pete could wear denim boxer shorts, he would. Yeah. <laughs> he would have jorts, boxer jorts. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so they leave yeah. him. So they leave him hanging, and they all go back downstairs into the main room. And there's a construction foreman. That's the that's Mr. Vaharo, and he gets this electrical cable kind of comes up and snakes around him. And goes around his neck and electrocutes him by himself, by itself. Him, it, he gets electrocuted by the cable. And they just leave him laying there in front of the fireplace because they don't know what the fuck else to do with him. This is before they start stashing bodies like in a porch. There's like... They are... You know what? And it's so weird. It all gets kind of muddled and confused because I feel like... I feel like those things happened before dumbass CJ actually opened the portal to hell, but I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> crazy shit starts happening from Jump Street in this it's, movie. It's, and it's, it's hard really to remember. Weird. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to remember. I'm not particularly sure that, you know, linear time is a tremendous influence on this film. So, yeah, anyway. They've got this fucking dog, right? The dog's name was, what was it, Kaiser? Or Kaiser. Something? Kaiser. It's a fucking German Shepherd dog, and it's like a really sweet dog in the beginning of the movie, and um, this girl 
was it Mary? Was that her name? Was the owner of Her name Kaiser? is Mary. She was a yeah. shoe girl. She was <laughs> Well, she's she's like, I've raised this dog from a puppy. Well, Kaiser like fucking disappears early in the film. He like freaks out and runs off and disappears. And then he shows up again later and fucking attacks Mary, like just full on Cujo harass. And, you know, she's all traumatized and freaked out because he's never done that his whole life. She's had him since he was a pup. After that happens, you know, it's still storming outside. So CJ and Pete go up to a, what would you call that? It's not a rotunda. but It's, it's almost like a widow's walk up on the top of the it's building. It's a widow's walk. Yeah. So Pete decides, I can probably get down there to the ground and go get help, but... I think there's only one electrical cable in the house. So that means to me that they would have had to have gone to the foreman's crispy body and pulled the electrical cable off of it and then tied it around a post so that Pete could rappel down the outside of the house. Now, this was an interesting kind of macho like argument between these two dudes because CJ was oh, up there Jesus. with him. And CJ was like, I'm going to go to, if I can get down, then I can get help and and we can, we can get everybody out. And was that Pete? I felt like that was a different character. This, this was like a young kid that was kind of blonde, but anyway, they went back and forth and the kid was like, no, face it. I'm 20 years younger than you, man. And you can stand to lose some weight. Yeah. (laughs) He literally said that you could stand to lose a few pounds, man. And you know, it's like, what the (laughs) So he insulted his way into this task, and then he gets halfway down, and he gets electrocuted, and he catches on fire, (laughs) and the motherfucker falls the rest of the way to the ground, just flaming on, man. (laughs) Flaming on, and he just lays there on the pavement in the pouring rain, crackling. And Richard Crenn is like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. He's, he's sitting he's sitting downstairs after that, just staring into the fire, going, it was my fault. It was my fault. Yeah, motherfucker, it was your fault. You dumbass opened the fucking yeah, portal down. You fat piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened to Kaiser? I'm trying to remember. Kaiser attacks Mary on the stairs and rips her yeah. throat out in a very kind of PG-13 sort of way. And then he's dead, too. For some reason. So, I don't know. Bye, pupper. Oh. Yeah, it was fucking weird. I don't really understand it, but Mary apparently killed Kaiser. I I don't know what happened. But I remember Uh, remember the shot of Mary's body lying next to the dog's body. And how come everybody want to keep it like the Kaiser? I don't understand. (laughs) Meanwhile, all the doors are locked, so Andrew Prine... God love Andrew Prine. He starts taking at the doors with a fucking skill saw. Now, while he's doing this, Richard Credit comes up to him and says, hey man, you have worn all of the teeth off of this saw blade. You should stop doing what you're doing. And Andrew Prine's like, nope, gonna keep going. Friction may help us. And he keeps trying to saw through the doors with this toothless saw blade, and it's the worst goddamn noise in the world. It is, but speaking of 
friction and Andrew Prine in this movie. Can we just take a moment to recognize the glory that is the pants that he wore during this film? They were amazing, high-waisted. I don't know if they were denim. They were like light-colored, almost white. And up each side, across each hip, going vertical up to his waistline was like eight brass buttons. It was some kind. How do you piss? Because it didn't have a zipper. And you would have had think... to have unbuttoned all 98 of those buttons that were on Andrew Prine's delectable torso in order to just whip your dick out and take a whiz. It was kind of amazing. It was beautiful, and I'm telling y'all, that was like one of the highlights of this film for me. It it ranks right up there with David Bowie's package in Labyrinth. Yeah, I but you, you not. you've always been a fan of the Prine Peen. Well, I mean, you know, what's not to love? Oh, I'm not being pissy about it. I'm just saying the prime pain was right there. And like you you told me earlier, it was kind of off to the side. That was a side snake. A little side snake, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Cesaro. Just, uh... (laughs) Here we go. It's kind of wrapping around. We're good. Um, yeah, Andrew Prine's pants were, were kind of amazing. But while he's trying to saw through the door, he somehow saws through his hand? It's not somehow. He gets this look on his face. Like he goes blank and just suddenly starts looking really intense. So I think he's like being influenced by the evil. And he just... <laughs> literally cuts through the back of his hand and it's kind of difficult to watch honestly even though you don't really see a lot you're like oh shit but then you think oh wait a minute that saw blade doesn't have any teeth on it so so what the fuck happened (laughs) what the fuck happened he should have been bruised I think at the most with that I don't know Something like that. Richard Crenna's like, he might lose his hand. And yeah. Andrew Prine's like, I'm fine. I feel happy. I ran it under a cold tap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so far, the construction foreman's dead. The caretaker's dead. Mary's dead. The goddamn dog is dead. Mm. Uh, Pete's dead because he tried to shimmy down the side of the building and he caught on fire from the same electrical cable that's already killed at least two other people. Um, Andrew Prine is disfigured at this point. Andrew Prine is disfigured, and the ghost of Emilio Vargas tells the skinny blonde Joanna Pettit person, Caroline, to go pick up the iron cross that Krenner removed from the doors from the portal to hell. Well, it's interesting. He doesn't just tell her... Like, is this the part where he actually possesses her and sh- and talks no, that's, through her? That's, no, that's closer. Is that to later? The, that's later. Yeah. No, okay. I mean, we knew it was going to happen because at some point we knew the ghost was going to have to speak. But yeah, that happens closer to the end. Okay, I'm jumping the gun. Sorry. You gun jumper. Yeah. 
Well, the next fucking Felicia gets electrocuted. Like everybody's dying by fire and electrocution in this film. Which is hilarious because you got to figure in the Civil War, were houses completely electrified? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know, I don't know either. How, but... I don't know how this shit works. But anyway, somebody – it's Andrew Prine. Of course it is. He gets the fucking brilliant idea. Let's take electrical cables, like like jumper cables, and we'll hook them to the window bars that are made out of iron – <laughs> and then we'll jack those fuckers full of electricity, and we'll make our own Faraday cage around this house, and that way, if anything wants to get in, it won't be able to. Well, the problem is, the shit's all inside. <laughs> so I don't know what he was trying to protect all of them from. I don't know. He said something weird about if we get them electrified they'll heat up and we can bend them or something and felicia's oh, like he did, he did yeah and felicia's <laughs> like i don't know about that but let's try it okay that shit don't work Mm-mm. because felicia's upstairs by the window bars putting you know clampy cables on them and all of a sudden the corpse of mary who got killed by kaiser sits up and Felicia's like, oh, what? And through her shock and alarm, she backs herself up into the electrified bars, and she also dies by getting electrocuted. Bye, Felicia. That's yeah, some dumb shit that I would do. Like, I I have learned. Would not. Don't, don't walk backwards, especially when there's dangerous shit around you. So, yeah, she she totally gets roasted. And then, this is great. Okay, so Andrew Prime somehow manages to get out a window. Like he manages to break the window. He gets out and he's like, ha ha, bitches, I'm out. Takes off running. And for whatever reason, he steps off of the pavement and into this like central grassy area that has this statue in this like circular drive right of the devil yeah it's, it's like a, a statue of the devil and it's, it's it, there's a plaque on it that says something like uh i'm the devil don't <laughs> fuck with my devil shit it say something like that but it's a it's a gargoyle on a pedestal it's a devil, the, it's a devil royal it's devil well, the fucking ground around the statue turns into quicksand, like the moment he steps on it. So it's <laughs> it's kind of a weird and awkward scene. Like how he gets onto the grass is just like almost like a stumble, like accidental. And they're just like, oh, shit, I'm dying. So he does. He gets. But he's but, he, but he's screaming. He's like, oh, you won't get me. You won't get me, motherfucker. Oh, shit. Well, you're in quicksand, dick. Yeah. And there's nothing to pull yourself out with, and you won't quit fucking squirming, so of course the quicksand in front of the devil royal is going to get you. It got him good. He got him real good, because he fucking died. He fucking sank into the quicksand. Is there a song about this? <laughs> I don't know. I think there sh- if there's not, there should be. So anyway, uh... Uh, Andrew Prine in the quicksand, and he was the last rational character. He was the only character I liked in the whole fucking movie, but he's dead. So, Joanna Pettit 
Caroline, the Dr. Caroline, she gets possessed by the ghost of Emilio Vargas. Okay, yeah, that's where this happens. Right, and pretty much confirms that Richard Crenn is a dumbass throughout this entire fucking movie because she's like, I told you not to take the thing out of the pit to hell. I told you not to remove the seal, but you took the seal, you seal sucker. And now everything's just shitty. So you should put that thing back where you found it and stop touching things. Why do you keep touching things? Yep, and then this is where this fucking movie just kind of goes off the rails. Like it was it was it was batshit crazy up until this point. Okay. So <laughs> shit continues being batshit crazy and um and she's the blonde. What was it, Doctor Carolyn? Is Dr. like Caroline. We've got to take the fucking thing back and close the fucking doors so that we can contain the evil. And, and let's Krina's, seal it with this K-bar knife that we found. Yeah, and Krina is finally like, okay, all right, we could take the fucking thing back to the back to the door and reseal it. All right, that's a good idea. And then they go down to the basement, and they're trying to close this fucking trap door. Because that's literally what it is. It's like a trap door. It's not door. a trap door. A it trap is. door, you wouldn't know it was there. This is like a storm cellar. Oh, okay, well, it's it's a, like a full-size door, but this it's in the, the floor. This is the shit that Helen Hunt hid inside when the F5 <laughs> hit her farm in goddamn Nebraska or whatever in Twister. But this fucking cross-shaped kind of seal thing was basically just wedged in the handles of this fucking storm cellar door. So they're trying to close this door and it's not working and they fucking lose the seal. It falls down into the big gaping maw that goes down into the portal of hell and they both go down in it to try to get the fucking seal back and it's all like, was the was CGI a thing then? It didn't that was look not like CGI. It did not look like actual like fog or vapor though. It looked like some kind of weird fucking like they did some kind of overlay on the film or something. It may have been a double exposure, or it may have just been the actual fumes of hell. It, fuck me. the actual fumes of hell so they're 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 wandering around these fucking catacombs like it felt like it went forever and dr dumbass cj like wanders off and is following this fucking light okay and then he gets to this room hey all are welcome in the lot (sighs) whatever (laughs) he gets to this fucking bright white room and it's like that scene in the fucking matrix which one was that was that the third one where he finds the architect where he finds the architect that's what this reminded me of no fuck you for even making that kind of comparison no that is exactly what this reminded me of oh god what (laughs) He walks into this bright white room and there's this dude sitting on a throne and like this fucking suit. He had a vest. Did he have a bow tie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember the bow tie. <laughs> it wasn't Mr. Green Jeans. 
Jesus. No. I don't know. But there's, I mean, there's this back and forth, and it comes out that this, this dude sitting on the throne is the devil. And we didn't even talk about Richard Crenna getting, like, an amazingly huge amount of facial hair, so he looks like goddamn Larry Talbot from <laughs> Wolfman. <laughs> See, I don't even remember that. I don't think I even picked up on that. Because he was just this dumbass with a beard for the whole movie for well, me. Well, yeah, but then his beard like almost overtook his entire face, like it was <laughs> some kind of fucking whisker sponge. It was fucking weird. <laughs> this whole scene was fucking weird because while he's talking to the devil, the devil is like taunting him, and then he loses patience, and his face like mutates into this horned thing and i don't even know how the fuck did he get out of that room i'm trying to remember he climbed up the fucking electric cable that killed 18 people in the goddamn house that's what happened um so the devil (laughs) he did not He, he did he fucking did no because the devil was victor buono Okay, and the thing about hell in this movie, the portal to hell, is bright fucking white, and that's amazing. That's such a great take on the entrance to hell. I haven't seen that since Albert Finney's version of Scrooge. So they kind of shimmy down into, there's Victor Bono's wearing a white suit. He's on a white throne in a white room with black curtains at the station. And it's really fucking amazing to me that that is that they decided to go that way instead of like, oh, these are all dark labyrinths and catacombs and everybody's there's fire and shit. Oh, this is like Martha Stewart's cooter. It was just plain (laughs) fucking white. And Richard Crenna's like, oh, I don't believe in you. And the devil's like, well, fuck you, because here I am. How do you not believe in this shit? And then Joanna Pettit runs up all 12 pounds of her and just throws that damn Iron Cross slash Rambo knife slash seal for the portal into the devil's chest. But the devil's, it's like Victor Bono, like he starts off looking like, well, Victor Bono, but by the time he's done talking to Richard Crenna, he's got horns coming out of his forehead, and his skin has darkened, and this is the saving grace of this entire movie for me, and you hate it. <laughs> yeah, this thing killed it for me. It, it, completely, it completely removed me from the story. I'm sorry, but it was jarring and how different it was from the rest of the film that was the entire point well it might have been but it ruined it for me i don't even know what to say about that my god (laughs) that whole thing that was just crazy creative and i fucking loved it but yeah she javelins that shit into victor bono's chest and then CJ and Dr. Caroline go running back, and they're like, we have to seal this hell portal back up. And I'm not even sure how she got the knife out of the devil's chest. Did you see that? I don't remember how she did that either, but somehow they managed to, and they scrambled back up out of the hole, and they got the fucking door sealed again. Uh, And then the house just is like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's all good. Flip, flip, flip. Doors unlock. Windows are unshuttered. Yeah. 
Everything's fine. And then they just fucking leave. And they're the only two left. Everybody else fucking dead. They get back into their car and just go bye-bye. Like, I don't know if they called the cops. I don't <laughs> know if they called goddamn Ed and Lorraine Warren. I have no idea. But while they're leaving, the ghost of Emilio Vargas is watching them leave through a window. And let me just say this about the ghost of Emilio Vargas. He looks like a fucking marble statue. He looks like some kind of shit you would see in a piano teacher's music room. He looks like the bust of Frederick fucking Chopin. He's so stoic, and he's just standing there in the window like, bye. <laughs> right? Like, he's waving, but it's just his wrist that is moving. He's giving the pageant wave as these people leave. I swear to fuck. You know, there's a whole lot of what the fuck in this movie. <laughs> there are a whole lot of dumbasses in this movie. But is the evil something you should watch? As part of our backroom plea bargain to provide some semblance of public service, I've got six reasons as to why you should or should not view the evil. X also has six reasons, and I don't know what they are. It's a mystery. Someone out there in the ether also has six points to make about this movie. So let's grab our 1980s pink princess touch tone phone and make the dreadsome call into the unknown and see what other freaky folk think about the evil listen in on the landline of the damned as we dial 666 the number of the geeks Anyway, we dialed the phone. Ray and Persephone answered, which is awesome because we're going to talk about the evil in all of its um, grainy majesty. <laughs> oh, it is majestic. I have six reasons why I like this movie, so I'll just go ahead and jump in, and then you all can jump in after me. Like, we're all going into the pool, and it'll be a great deal of fun. Ooh, is there a crazy slide? There could be a crazy slide. There's at least a coax cable. Persephone's grinning awful big. I think that they would like a, a crazy slide. Wow. Yes, please. Or one of those airplane rescue slides that inflates. Yeah. We'll, I'll see what we, what we can do about that. But first of all, I want to say that the evil needs to be watched simply for Andrew Prine's pants. Dude, that was one of my points. Was that it? Andrew one of my fucking Prine's too. package. Like, well, not the package part. <sighs> It's Those are some good-ass pants. Yeah. They are white. They've got like five buttons up each side. There's no fly, so we don't know how the man, you know, takes a piss. Yeah, crotch flap. Total crotch flap. Like, these things have to come apart. Like There is your crazy slide. Like, just like down the front of Andrew Prine's pants when everything is unbuttoned. Just, and there it is. <laughs> The funny thing is, though, like the end of those particular flaps sits kind of high on his hips. So I'm thinking, dude's got to like shimmy those down a little bit, like below his ass before he could even get his cock out to piss. He really has got to. Is Andrew Prine what many people refer to as a gentleman sitter? He could be. I don't know. It seems like the, the pants would indicate that. And there's... 
literally not a thing wrong with that but it seems like those were pants designed for gentlemen sitters i have no argument against that didn't you say his package is like right up there with david bowie's package of levers it's 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 like second in my mind like that was that was second place to david bowie's package in labyrinth that's kind of a high bar it really is i don't think there's anything that can like rise above that but this one this one is a close second <laughs> ray and persephone are like oh my god what have we got in this episode? No, no comment on the packages no, no uh, comment on the packages. The only packages I want are ones with, like, things containing sugar, not human anatomy. Oh, uh, well, know. that's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> but that, <laughs> yeah. Never dawned on me to rate packages. Oh. You should give it a go sometime. It's kind of entertaining on some level. Even just on, even just on an objective level. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a 15-year-old level. Well, I feel like even the butts thing, right? Like, everyone seems to love butts. Or at least... Can life, right? A, a, huh? Butts are life. Butts, but, butts, but butts, see, butts, people butts, will talk about butts and stuff, and I just kind of tilt my head like a dog that's confused. Like, but why? Why like, the butts? That's but the cool. pants are awesome. The pants are awesome. The pants are fantastic. <laughs> It's there really, is zero, zero argument against the amazingness of the pants themselves. I mean, I've seen a lot of 70s fashion come back into style. I have not seen any kind of redo of those pants. I may not be looking in the correct areas for that. See, and that's just a shame, I think. That, those need to make a comeback, for real. Can we petition to have the movie renamed from the evil to the pants? Yes. I would sign that. Yes, I would totally because we all be... knew the movie was over once they went in that mud. We were just like, well. <laughs> the end Spoiler. Of Spoiler. Yeah. I no the longer care. Die. The pants die. Yeah, I no longer care about anything else that happens in this film. The pants are in the mud. It's all over. But the memory of the pants goes <laughs> on and on and on. All right, just got the next reason. Well, I have kind of a mixed bag here. I've got reasons why you should watch this film and reasons why you might want to skip this film. Um, so, <laughs> Ray's throwing up their hands. <laughs> I was coming in here like, I don't know what I'm going to do about this because, <laughs> not going to lie, I couldn't come up with a lot of reasons. That's all right. That's fair. I'm thinking one of the things that I look for in a horror film, especially, is the body count, right? And I think this film has a pretty decent body count. Like, fucking everybody except for two characters dies in this movie. And one of them I kind of really wish did die, which was CJ, because he was a fucking dumbass. Would you say body count is in the house, (laughs) y'all? Yes. Definitely was in the house. Right, well, well, you know, with the one. No, there's well, like, there's like there, one, were, there were two that actually happened outside exceptions. the house. But yeah, okay. the dangling dude on the cable, <sighs> and then Andrew Pine, Prine's pants. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, I interrupted horribly. 
No, 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 it's okay. That was really my point. That's And that's in favor of watching the movie because I, I felt like it had a pretty good body count and I felt like the kills were pretty fantastic and entertaining. I would say this was one of those movies where, like, it can be enjoyable if you just want to sit down and watch a horror movie where dumb people die. That's it. You got to like, stop looking for logic to enjoy that, this film. That's my thing is I overanalyze everything. So watching this film, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, how do I get in the mindset of somebody who can enjoy a film just to enjoy it? I don't know what that's like. How do I enjoy things? And so, you know, like, but I enjoyed the fact that when I was like, no, you're being stupid. What are you doing? That they died because they got what they deserved. Right. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you get plenty of that in this film for sure. Because there's a lot of movies that have that. And then the dumb people live at the end. And you're like, why? Why? That teaches you nothing. You're supposed to die if you're dumb. Like, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> So you're saying this movie's like a Darwin Award? <laughs> I guess. Yes, actually, that's a good comparison. It really is. I just felt like, you know, every time they did something that we all acknowledged was a bad idea, and the average human adult would go, yeah, that's probably a bad idea. Maybe we should do th- do it this way instead. That every time we were like, what are you doing? They ended up dying and i was like thank you thank you for making me feel justified here so your point is that the evil is great if you need like a superiority complex oh yeah okay <laughs> just like if, sure. you're, if, if you're like the person who tells people how to live their lives and enjoys watching them fall on their face because they didn't listen to you watch this film as a horror movie i couldn't recommend it but as a comedy, I would say it's all right. <laughs> That's fair. I'll go with that. Yeah, a lot of comedies don't have people catching on fire, but I, I guess <laughs> I guess some do. There should be more of them. In you my obviously opinion. haven't seen old school. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen old school one time. Will Ferrell definitely gets caught on fire. Does he? Because he doesn't keep his composure. There is a lot of fucking fire in this movie. <laughs> there is a lo- so much fire. The caretaker gets set on fire. Um, the moron who decides to shimmy down the side of the house during a thunderstorm on a coax cable gets set on fire <laughs> and drops to the ground. And then the black woman, Felicia, she backs up against an electrified window, and she doesn't set on, she doesn't catch on fire, but she could have because of the electricity. Uh, well, yeah, because that seems to be the the uh, the formula for this film: electricity equals flames. Yes. <laughs> well, you would have thought too, because what back then? Weren't clothes incredibly flammable? <laughs> Everything was flammable in the It was 70s. all polyester, man. It was all polyester, yeah. which I'm pretty sure was embedded with tiny slivers of metal and flint. So that's how people caught on fire and so gasoline. easily. And gasoline. Yeah. It yes. was all woven with like gasoline. Like pintos. They all just, if you backed up into a pinto, oh it exploded. That's what shirts were like back in the day. That's what shirts were like. And don't forget the fireplace spontaneously coming on, and then the diary spontaneously combusting. That's right. There you go. 
Lots of fire. <laughs> cool. You know, for a house that has over 200 rooms, we got to see like four. <laughs> <laughs> we did. And they kept making a big deal out of that in the beginning of the film. Oh, there's fucking 200 rooms in this building. Well, okay. Is this all we get? They made a out of a lot of nothing. Yeah. They made so many one-liners that seemed like it was an important point to make and then like never went back to it. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I'll be all right. Well, and one of my points was as as far as like a four, like maybe yeah, if you enjoy this kind of thing to watch this film is just the sheer batshit crazy in this movie. Yeah. It's it's so goddamn ridiculous and it seems to shift gear and it's almost no, it's not almost. It really is jarring from one scene to the next. It's like, okay, the fuck is gonna happen next? <laughs> Yeah, there's no real predicting, and even though it's kind of dumb and it, the the storyline is kind of like, eh, okay, you're just you feel like you're just along for a roller coaster ride, and that was enjoyable for me. Yeah, I think I felt more confused and scared most of the time. Yeah, like in a sense of like, okay, what? And it it gives you that slight anxiety feeling, which works. There's something to be said about just constantly being scared in a movie or whatever. But, like, I think um, it's a totally different kind of scary experience whenever you're just kind of like, what the hell is going on right now? And, like, just, yeah, and, you know, then, then you think of something that they said at the beginning of the film, and you're like, wait, wait, whatever happened to that? And you're like, what? I, what? so you, it's just so disorienting in a lot of ways, and I think it works in a film like this because... That's exactly how you would feel if you were in that house. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, things are happening in all of these different rooms. You don't know exactly why someone's burnt to a crisp at the bottom of the, you know, <laughs> house. Like, because you weren't in that room and there's no time to talk about it because here's this lady getting her clothes stripped off of her and by something invisible. Like, you know, there's all of this random shit happening. And, like, none of these people are in the same room at any given time, except for maybe two scenes. Which is so, really weird, because they make a point of saying, nobody go anywhere alone! Yeah. And then they immediately break off alone. <laughs> like, nobody well, listens to that. Every time the house targets one of them, they put them in a room by themselves, and it's like, okay, now you rest! And it's like, okay, yeah, because they're just going to stop after one try of trying to kill this person. Right. I, I don't think I have absolutely any reasons to watch this movie. <laughs> All of my reasons are to watch this movie. Okay. Every it's single one. So, like from the very beginning, like hearing the dialogue, it just immediately just pulled me out of it. And I'm sorry that I just can't turn that off, especially when it was uh, one of the early scenes with Professor Pants in his classroom. Professor Pants. He's given that big speech that's supposed to be intelligent and insightful or whatever, talking about how physics is so logical and psychology is like this new cutting-edge thing. It's like so illogical and then zaps that piece of flash paper with the laser and says it disintegrates. And I'm like, there are so many things scientifically wrong with every word that came out of this man's mouth. I hate this guy and this movie sucks now. 
Dude, and that's one of my points. Like one of the things, it's like maybe you shouldn't watch this film. Like if the the weak sauce way that they present the logic versus faith dilemma yeah. in this movie, like they really they play around with it, and it's like okay, you're kind of trying, but you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. If yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna use that, then use it and make it solid. But they don't, and and yeah. so it's just kind of like, eh, are you? Are you like, really yeah, trying no to build research this whatsoever to like having any sort of like scientific explanation for the quote unquote smart characters in the movie? Mm-hmm. Well, if you, if you've, some buzzwords. If you've seen it, let me just throw this in real quick. It's like the antithesis of the speech that Professor Birak gives at the beginning of Prince of Darkness. Oh, but that was better. No, that made no that made no fucking sense at all. <laughs> it was not better. It was just like physics, time, life. Death. You think these things are logical and linear, but they're not. It is as a clock. Well, maybe it's what just a better movie. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, maybe it was better from that point on, and you just kind of dismiss that beginning portion as like whatever. He oh, got. Maybe it's it's just the wonky eye that helps. Oh well, <laughs> it, it's, it no. makes it more convincing. You got the one eye pointed way off in the the right hand corner. You're just like, dude, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. He's been there, man. <laughs> he's thinking about two thoughts at once. I really appreciated all that you just said, Cootie, because that's exactly how I feel about the writing in general. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, they, they touched a little bit on the indigenous community, how they felt about it, but it was it was chucked up. And, I mean, I get it. Everybody has done that for years in films. They just kind of, like, like make a path. So, so I want to acknowledge the, that context. Yeah, but, but the like, way they did it, it felt like they just threw that in there to try to add some gravitas to the storyline, and it was... That's what I think they did with the science. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think it might have been an issue where they had um, writers who didn't really understand anything that they were writing. Um, and they didn't call in consultants or, or any. They didn't even try and have interviews with um, or conversations with like a professor or something. And so it might have been just like um, budget issues, budget <laughs> issues. Yeah, budget issues. Or maybe it was just a group of writers who and, and you know, way more about this film than I do. X. So I you know, this is just trying to think of the reasons why writing might not have been as strong as there was a lot that they touched on, but didn't really get into. And for someone like me, I I can watch a scary movie, you know, a horror film and like be really into it if there's a lot of really big jump scares or really cool special effects or something. But if there's not a lot of that and then the storyline isn't stronger, I can't really like I have too many questions and I lose lose sight of like enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the relationships of the people they scratched the surface of some of their histories and who they were but they didn't really develop the characters so mm-hmm. i didn't really care about any of them and then um the well the, but they they all died so who the fuck cares but but i want but you get what i mean is there was nobody i really rooted for sure and and um i my head kept going whenever i was thinking about it after i was like well why would i 
I, I want to root for somebody in the film. There should be somebody that I want to see survive. <laughs> well, you know? you know, there was one character that I wanted to see survive, and it wasn't Andrew Prime because of his package. I actually really, I cared about the black girl, Felicia. And it was just because we got that small glimpse of her struggle where she was talking about how she was yeah. an addict and how CJ had helped her. No, so we here's the exact that. quote. CJ got me off the horse. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Didn't she say, you see those freckles? Yes. She said, you see those freckles. And that was like the only one. I was kind of like, don't let well, this. Because yeah. it's such a movie trope for horror movies in the past. Is like the 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 person of color dies first. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, and then we, she was one character that we kind of got to see that depth and that desperation. And I thought she did a good job in that particular scene. You yeah. Yeah. I thought she showed the most promise as far as acting. Well, her and I'm bad with names. Uh, what what is the female lead the blonde? Oh, her character name was Caroline. That's Joanna. Oh, yeah. That's Dr. Joanna Caroline. Pettit in real life. Yeah. Um, the two of them showed the most promise and depth to their characters for sure. The, the thing that really stuck out to me was the scene where her clothes are getting ripped off mm -hmm. because she demonstrated terror and the stress and even the violence of a sexual assault because it looked like a sexual the beginning of a sexual assault dude i seriously and thought I, she was about to get ghost raped i was like oh my god I, I what is happening right now it was it was starting to um make me really triggered for lack of a better yeah. word yeah, I I was like, I don't want to watch this, even if I can't see anything. I don't want to see, you know, and that was the one part of the film that I think was really the most jarring for me. And the sense of her looking everywhere and realizing no one was around was around and stuff. And it, it just it even felt like it portrayed that loneliness and that invisibility in a sense of how women would feel or even men, I'm sure, who've been sexually assaulted is mm -hmm. like. You can tell your story or you can be out in the open ha having obviously been affected and it's like no one's even there and you feel like you're going crazy or whatever. So like, the, but, but you could see all that almost within her in that moment. And I thought that it was for her to have to do that as an actress, you know, <laughs> like that, that's just, that shows her talent and, and her ability to take a role, even if, um, there's very little ultimately to go with it. Like she mm -hmm. made it so much different than probably what it was on paper. Mm -hmm. So I can appreciate that. The other actors were in a bunch of other stuff too. And like, it seems like it was a strong cast. So I don't think the cast was the issue or, or anything as far as me personally, as a person, as a, as a viewer, I like to have really in-depth storylines and, and the, the, that part of it and I think that that's probably why <laughs> like if you like to really deep dive into characters this probably wouldn't you know I have, I have, I have three things to say con that kind of combines everything that y'all have been saying first okay. of all Ray the fact that you give this film enough grace to believe that it had enough money to hire a consultant says a lot about your giving spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure the writer was just like, oh, fuck, I found a notebook I had when I was a sophomore in high yeah. school. I was high, but I think maybe I can do some of this stuff in the script. I'm not sure. <laughs> Secondly, 
I forgot what the second point was. I'll remember it. I'll come back to it. But <laughs> my main point was we're talking about oh oh. Talk about their relationships and the relationships between the two lead. They're married, and it's absolutely a wretched relationship because she tells him all this stuff, and he doesn't believe anything that she's yeah. saying. But that's my point. He doesn't believe anything that anyone tells him. His yeah. absolute rejection of evidence, even when placed before him, is absolutely ridiculous. Like, Oh, well, there's a logical explanation for everything. Motherfucker caught on fire. Yep. <laughs> for no reason. You've seen the corpse. You smell the roasting fat of human. And you're like, well, that's all right. Obviously, this was some sort of spontaneous combustion microwave accident or something like that. It's just... It's ridiculous, and the fact that he can just reject everything over and over until, like, the last act of the film, yeah, that's what pushes my boundaries for um, my, my suspension of disbelief. Because after a while, you've got to be like, well, fuck, I guess really there is something going on here that's kind of weird, yeah. and, and not just like, well, the atoms inside of his big toe... Um, <laughs> you know, flew together too quickly and caused some kind of internal friction and that's why he exploded. <laughs> it, I think it really is a better explanation than they did for a couple of things in that film. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, if you want some internal friction, let's let's go back to uh, Andrew Prine's pants. Cause, right. Oh, yeah. baby. <laughs> I, I wanted him to be more... It, it was just weird. Like, I really wanted to understand the character between the two male leads. Mm-hmm. Again, horrible with names. But the There's two of Professor them, Pants and apparently Professor Suit Jacket. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, so the professors. The professors. <laughs> doctor, yes. Yes, Doctor uh, Suit Jacket. Okay. Doctor Blazer. <laughs> you know, they had that conversation where they were like, you cramped it down my throat for five years and now you won't accept it or whatever. That felt like it was supposed to be a really important pinnacle moment, and I felt like I didn't have enough about either character to really feel the weight that it, it was felt flat. Yeah, and I, I guess that that would be the best example of what I could say about the writing of the film. They didn't give enough early on to be able to carry those characters far enough to where we could really appreciate and get some sort of loyalty or <laughs> toward them or something or like want to want to care mm-hmm. um, but, but my opinion of that is is realizing that this movie was made for the drive-in crowd this is a programmer this is the the first feature and a double feature so having actual depth to characters and relationships that have meaning and gravitas there are people fucking in the back seat no one cares. People are trying to figure out how to pick a snow cone off of their off of their carpeted floorboard. <laughs> that's 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 my thought. So gotcha. I, th- I, th- I think it's shallow for a reason because it was written for the audience right. of that time. Right, and and I guess that's uh, that's what I'm I'm trying to say when I say if you if you just want to have a movie where you go in and you're just watching people getting killed by a house and it doesn't have to make sense to you it's a Friday night like I yeah. just want to make out with you know my person like let's 
just Netflix and chill, right? Exactly. (laughs) That's fine. But if we're talking about, like, I I don't want to give reasons why I think you should go see a film to watch the film if I can't stand by those reasons. Sure. And so I think having, being able to say, well, based on who I am and what I like to do whenever I watch a movie, like, this isn't a movie necessarily that I would appreciate as much as other people, and here's why. And being able, because, you know, obviously I don't think I'm the only person in the world who watches films the way that I do. And so maybe my insight and your insight and your insight and your insight will, like, help different people decide on whether or not they think that, you know, it's, I guess that's why you do it, right? Well, yeah. So people can figure out what they like. That's why I watch, that's why we started watching, like, <laughs> horror together, because I didn't know what I, kind I liked, and I hadn't seen a whole lot, and so you're like, all right, let us be your guide. Let us educate you. <laughs> and I confess to having a very groundling sort of approach to these movies, too, where it's just like, well... I'm here for the nudity and the blood. Yay! <laughs> that's kind of what I dig. And that's totally legit. But, you know, in spite of all that, um, one of the things that I appreciate about this film is I actually really like the concept of the story. In spite of the fact that the writing was kind of weak. And then, you know, yeah, okay. And like X said, it's a fucking drive-in film. So you, you have to take that into consideration. But I like the fucking concept of the film. Like, they've got this fucking huge, huge haunted mansion. And this group of people go in to try to, like, fix this place up. It's it's like the ultimate HGTV meets House on Haunted Hill kind of flick where just shit goes insane and these people who are here trying to to trying to do good they're trying to turn the place into a drug rehab center yeah. so I think it's a great idea even if it was kind of weakly executed you know I have one reason now to watch this movie oh let's hear it, it. only if you have friends and just want to sit and riff on some, some <laughs> Bad cinema. Hey, you know what? That's great, though. Like, that's half the fun that we have with this shit is just to be able to be like, have you seen this fucking movie? Because if you haven't, you are about to you are about to see some shit. And just to watch their reaction (laughs) to talk about it and laugh about it afterward. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell you how much joy it brings me to know that when I sit with you all and watch a film for the first time. Because you know I can't keep my mouth shut. I am the person screaming at the TV, right? And asking questions that I know I'm definitely not going to get a good answer for. And I'm only going to get more pissed off about. (laughs) But it brings me so much joy to know that I can do that with you all. And you don't take offense to it if I'm like shitting all over the movie. Because nine times out of ten, I'm still really enjoying it. But I yeah. can't not ask those questions, right? And <laughs> I'm the person who will watch an animated film and ask why something's happening that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I am that person. So, like, you all get that. And so I'm able to sit there and you all laugh at me. And I'm like, this is fun. <laughs> I'm not annoying someone right now. And they're having fun and I'm having fun. So, it's cool how it's worked out where I get to be the cranky person watching a horror movie going, no, what are you doing? 
and you laugh at me. And we all have it's supposed to be entertaining. Because Cody and I are just supposed to like, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> you know what? We don't I, know why they do that. Okay, I will say, like, if you look at this movie as a ridiculous movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. there is a lot of potential for the storyline. I will say, though, I loved the devil. Oh, my God. And that that's one of my points. Point. That's one of my points. Yeah, is that your point? I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing at him. Like, he amused me, but he felt like a better version of the devil than the majority of the versions of the devil than I've ever seen. Oh, my God. And, like, just just his, the way he, like, if any part of that film was good writing, I would say what the devil said was so good. Like, this harms like this does nothing to me i can do this all day to you and just that like with his smiling and his playfulness that he was bringing to that character it was so creepy and intimidating and just like seeing was a cj like in complete pain you know and agony and you were in this entirely white space i'm not even calling it a room because it's just this entirely white Face filled with fog and here's CJ on the ground writhing around and here's this guy belly laughing giggling like an idiot because he's able to cause this pain and it it does nothing to him and just being able to use like that little piece to be able to show how powerful this being was supposed to be um, and not overdoing it and I mean the, the, the makeup and stuff was a little crazy but not like horns and you know not not crazy in the sense of he just looked like a caricature but not a completely crazy monster being thing it was like this it it was a very interesting thing something that took me by complete surprise because i would have not expected him to be portrayed like that at all i i think i just appreciate that he even even if this being came uh, appeared in this way like, that's not his true form or whatever, okay. which I think would be thinking way too hard for this film. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I think that probably also had to do with budget issues, the reason why he looked humanoid. Um, but I, I appreciate the fact that they didn't overdo that part of it in the sense of, hey, I can do whatever I want to. Just typical like what you'd expect a person to say to you and it just felt hilarious to me because they made this house seem like big and booming and like it's like this gonna be this huge lizard monster or something and here's this thing that looks no more than like what a centaur or something you like half expect him to morph into a woodland creature of some sort and like like Mr. Tumnus type character. Oh but, fuck! He did look like Mr. Tumnus. Yeah, that's more more yeah. of a satyr than anything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, that's awesome. So I I just found it funny that they made him just this. It just looks like he's this dude chilling in the basement in a freezer. <laughs> that's essentially what it looked like, and I thought it was funny, but interesting. And how it made me feel, because I was like, ooh, I can't tell how powerful he is. Therefore, I'm not liking this guy. <laughs> like, 
she makes me nervous. And so I think the fact that you couldn't see how big he was, you know, like made it better for me than it being some weird, mysterious creature out of nowhere. Just your drunk uncle in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of fear I know. (laughs) X and I have fundamental disagreements about this scene. (laughs) I want to hear it. You first, X. I think it's great that you actually get to see the devil in a devil movie. I think that's fantastic, because usually you just get to see what the devil does, but you don't actually get to see the devil. And I think that the devil showing up in a fucking white suit and becoming more and more creature-esque as that sequence progresses, I think that's fantastic, and I kind of dig that. What about you, Persephone? What did you think about that scene? Uh, I didn't really think much of it, really. It's just, like like I said, it's just, okay, here's Drunk Uncle rambling about some nonsense. <laughs> the only time Satan showing up in a fucking white suit and vest and being all like, yeah, you know, like fucking cover of Vogue or some shit worked for me was in Constantine. So, oh, I love Constantine. This one scene in this entire fucking film and all the weird shit that happened and all the shit that didn't make sense and all the weak sauce explanations, this one scene pulled me out of the film completely. I felt like it didn't belong. It annoyed the shit out of me. And I was not happy until they got the fuck back in the house and hightailed it out and got in their car. I disagree with you on a fundamental level. I know you do, but I hate the scene. I didn't like the devil. I didn't like the weird fog that led him through the corridor, and he fucking left his wife just like, oh. Okay, well, we've we have established what? that he's an asshole, okay? Well, yeah, he we've is. We've established an asshole. that. And Satan didn't look like fucking Tim Curry in Legend. He was just some dude in a suit. And I'd have he been was happy. If he had looked like Tim Curry in Legend, you would have been happy just to see Tim Curry. Come on, you would have loved it if it was Danny DeVito, right? Come on. No, Danny DeVito is a little warthog. That's why it would be funny. (laughs) I I didn't say it would be good. But But does it matter, really? Because if it's Satan, whatever avatar they choose in this on this Earth is can be anything. So it could be anything. Uncle, then let him be your drunk uncle in a white suit. It's cool. Yeah, it just felt so disconnected and so different, and so it was just weird, and it just felt like it didn't fit at all. For me, I feel like anything they did with that scene was gonna feel out of place. I felt like making a scene where they actually saw the evil. For me, I felt like that that ruined it. And it was going to ruin it no matter what. Because yeah. the whole idea was what what little they said about the indigenous community and how they viewed it. They didn't even go in there. Yep. That it was the Valley of the Devils or something like that. And essentially. Okay. Sulfur and what, something about sulfur. Yeah, sulfur pools yeah. and, I don't know, so, mine disasters, so, maybe a meteor. I don't know. Yeah. So the idea of encapsulating all of that pushing it into this one space that's suddenly like pristine and it's got this one dude in it like 
So why the I, fuck send them down there at all? Why not just have them close well, the door? Why? I guess I guess I shouldn't ask that question. I was going to say why take the cross out of the the uh, thing in the first place yep. anyway. And then I'm like, well, we're talking about a guy who just took a gander at a couple rooms in a huge mansion and decided, yeah, this seems all right. We don't need any contractors to check this place out. All right, cash good? No, but, they had a contractor. They had a foreman in the contractor, and he got killed by that electrical cable in, 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 in the great room. <laughs> going to be able to evaluate that entire space? You're talking electricity. Like, all well, there's probably, they said the wiring was bad, so like, there's nobody there to scope out anything. He's just buying the property more than anything, if you think about it. And so he and can flip it. Why the <laughs> fuck are you going to have a handful of teens who just want to sleep together and get drunk every night trying to redo this place in a couple months? Are you fucking out of your mind? Like, that's not going to happen. It was a good idea that was executed poorly. I would watch that show on HGTV, well, just well, for the record. But, but Shit, I watched that show whenever it was on. That sounds I'm great. I'm just saying, why, why am I asking questions about the decision-making of a man who's going, like, who does that at the beginning of the film? Like, why am I surprised that he pulls the cross, like, the lock out of the thing to release the evil? Why am I surprised? But Ray, like, Ray, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Why am I the right. that I am? Oh, my God. To give some major props to some dialogue and some of the best acting I've seen though to one of the characters oh yeah and that's the dog Kaiser god damn it I knew you were going to say the pupper I knew you were Kaiser says wolf and that that touched my soul (laughs) and then of course they killed the fucking dog and then I hated the movie even I know. Poor Kaiser. I have one more point about this movie, and this is kind of inside baseball, so you're going to have to bear with me, okay? But Mm. I believe that The Evil has a connection to three movies by Lucio Fulci, who was was Cootie's favorite Italian director. I'm dying to hear this. Please Please elucidate. Okay. Fulci made three movies about houses where there were gates to hell. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the evil, which has a literal portal to hell in the basement. So, even though the evil predates, say, uh, the Beyond or City of the Living Dead or House by the Cemetery, there's a thread there of building a big sprawling building over a portal to hell. Or in City of the Living Dead, it was a fucking graveyard. Yeah, but went- the difference is all three of those movies were good. Oh! <laughs> Let's discuss the exorcism of Emily Rose, shall we? No, we already <laughs> dedicated an entire fucking episode to that. We already hashed that sucker out. Wait, what well, was the verdict? Do you like them or no? I like did. He yeah. did not. He did not? Oh, gosh, I hate that. But I think there is a connection. I think you can pull a thread all the way through that, and I think it's interesting to what if you watched all four of those in a row... No, the Fulci movies are better, and they make even less sense than The Evil. What? You can make less sense than The Evil? I I, I need to see evidence of this. Cootie, explain the end of City's Living Dead to me. Okay, yeah, Fulci films are not real logical, but they're better. (laughs) That's my, okay, that's my last point. Do we have any final... Did I miss a point, or do we have any final things to say about this 
fucking drive-in masterpiece that everyone has apparently decided to just shit on? I, I, I had some sorry. points for I, it, and I had I, points against it. I tried. In every point where I shit on it, I tried to acknowledge, like, where I thought, like, why it was the way that it was, or I, I tried to be nice about it. I'd watch it again. I say watch it, y'all. Get you a couple of drinks in you first, and then hit play. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, okay, round robin. Round robin. So Cootie says, yes, watch it. Persephone? Only with friends. Fair. You can watch Don't watch it alone. You'll be bored. The right kind of friends. Yeah. Yes. Right. And drinks. Yes. <laughs> Copious. Lots of drinks. Copious alcohol. <laughs> that may be half of why I enjoy the movie as much as I do. <laughs> Ray, watch it or no? Sure, why not? <laughs> no, it's the I, Jesus, I you can say that about skydiving! I, I would say yes, because if nothing else, the devil will make you laugh. And I say watch it because it is better than a lot of drive-in movies from the late 70s. I have to agree with that. I've seen a handful of those myself, and and this was one of the more entertaining ones. So. I, I, I think that it would be totally fun to see this in the way that they intended people to see it. I think doing it that way would have probably been really enjoyable for me. No matter how I felt about the movie, like I think even now... Like, I almost want to find a way to do that. Like, put it on a projector out on the back, in the backyard or something, and just have, like, a, more of an experience, like, what it was intended to be watched. Get some of that yeah. weird ice cream we have to eat with a wooden paddle. But nobody's making out with me. <laughs> fair. Fair. So, as y'all can imagine... <laughs> we were half lit when we watched the evil and if anything being altered made the evil more fun than it probably actually is and if you have made the righteous decision to watch the evil you might as well make a game out of it get ready for the multiverse's favorite drinking game drinking with the devil where your love of bad movies meets your disdain for your own liver. time you see the ghost of Emilio Vargas. <laughs> Get ready to drink, y'all. Drink every time CJ dismisses Dr. Carolyn's fears. <laughs> He's such a fucking rationalist oh my God. throughout this entire like even when it's stupid. Even when asshole. it's dumb to be rational. He's just like, well, I don't think that actually happened. And she's like, motherfucker, this thing Trying to bone me in the asshole. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm sure there's a logical explanation for that. (laughs) Drake, every time you see the character's actions and think to yourself, well, that's probably a poor idea. (laughs) That's a lot, too. Jesus. Also, 
And you're if if you do indeed watch this movie, you're gonna be like, the fuck they keep talking about this guy. Drake, every time somebody mentions the caretaker. The caretaker. Yeah, he got turned into fucking Jack Link's jerky sticks real fucking <laughs> quick in this movie. Okay, fine. And finally the Grandmaster Challenge. Drink every time one of the characters says it's all right. <laughs> That'll put you under the damn table. It's all right. Well, that's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Now, please remember that we here at Kiss the Goat do not condone alcohol abuse or underage drinking. However, they've, they've always, always worked, worked for, for us. us. You know, Stephanie is still compiling listener questions because she's fucking slow. Pissing me off over there. Hey, now, our acolytes seem pretty pleased that we've returned, so there's some correspondence to go through. Remind me, why do we keep Stephanie around? She gives good head. That's a fair cup. All this to say that barring some unforeseen events, Ask the Goat should return to our next episode. Until then, please direct your questions to us toward three separate locations. Mm-hmm. Send us your questions at thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group, which is our group on Facebook, where faces are booked, and where you can send us questions either in the group proper or via direct message. You can also subscribe to the official Kiss the Goat Twitter feed. Just search Twitter for Kiss the Goat and give us a follow. I mean, why wouldn't you? Throw us some questions, and we just might answer them on this here internet program. Imagine! That's almost like being famous. <laughs> Thanks to Bo for continuing to toss fortune to the wind and hosting this show. And thank you, Acolytes, for shoving another episode of Kiss the Goat into your ear holes. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your pets. Tell your pets about Kiss the Goat. Ooh, what if somebody has a goat for a pet? Well, kiss it. Kiss it on the mouth and call it Rebecca. Rebecca? Why Rebecca? I don't know. It's all right. Oh, uh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Well, until next time, which should come after this time, my name is X. And I'm Cootie. Hail, Hail Satan! Super cock Sir Super cock <laughs> now, after Satan made his infernal presence known, the woman reported to him to... Try that again. Yep, yep, yep. Satan had also been captured on surveillance foot... God damn it. Three, two... What just sucks to say? Sorry. Three, two... <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
It just... Okay, fuck. God damn. More beer for us. Okay. More beer. Alright. Coming back in three, two... Alright, I'm gonna put myself up another beer because... Fuck. I should probably record this too. Let me get this all up in the bike and shit. Okay. Good one. I think that's how a dinosaur junior album starts. I'm pretty oh, sure you're right. I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm right too. Alright. Wait. Okay. Okay. Yes, we'll be alright. It's alright. <laughs> it's alright. It's alright. Alright. Coming back in three, two. You're muted. Three, two. <laughs> this caretaker starts hearing weird noises in the old mansion that has over 200 wombs. And 200 wombs? 200 wombs, that's right. It could be pregnant a lot. Three. Is this the breed or the evil? <laughs> it's the brood. God the damn brood. it. The brood. God fuck. Shit. Shit. Fuck. Okay. It was a good joke. I fucked it up. It was a great joke. God damn it. Okay. So the caretaker makes his way downstairs, and here's the thing. He's there to clean up this gigantic... Oh, fuck. Ugh, okay. Three... <laughs> okay. God damn it. You made me ink. Um, Alright. Three, two... My whole thing, my whole thing about her being a dumbass though, is that she just like keeps saying the shape. Three, two, one. Check one, two. Check one, two. Check other numbers. What do we all think dungarees are for the love of fuck? I am completely unsure what dungarees are. I think that's why Cootie wears boomstick. Boomstick. Jesus Christ. Broomstick. <laughs> boomstick. What the hell are boomstick skirts? That's this hilarious. This is my boomstick. Oh, I do God. not want to know what a boomstick skirt is. Uh, <laughs> I was speaking very carefully because I was trying to pour a drink at the same time. Alright. I'm gonna come... I'm gonna... I'm... You're gonna what, what? I don't fucking know anymore. I'm gonna count, I guess. Oh my god, will somebody please fucking say hello? <laughs> hello? Hi! <laughs> we talked about this! Yeah, I, don't even know. Uh, yeah, I really. Oh, sorry. No. I'll fix it in post. What the fuck were you gonna say? Don't make that face. Obviously, the Fulci movies would be better. <laughs> God damn it! You all have seen the Muppet Christmas Carol, right? Yep. Long time ago. Okay. So, it, in case you haven't, it's based on a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And you'll have to read the story to figure out any details if you have not read it or seen it by now. Where have you been? But, I've never um, seen it. what? The Muppet Christmas Carol? I've never seen the Muppet Christmas Carol. Well, anyway, in this scene, they have, I can't remember the two characters' names who always shit on 
basically who Steph and I are being in this episode right now. You know, like the the guys who sit at the opera and they're always just like... Yeah, so they play the Marley Brothers and they sing this little song warning Scrooge to change his ways. And every time the own like the owner of that house came in, the ghost of the owner of that house in the evil came in, all I heard was You're doomed, Scrooge! Doomed for all time And just that song kept playing in my head and it that was another thing that ruined it for me, but it was totally irrelevant really to the actual conversation we were having tonight but i had to share that because yeah that's kind of awesome and also you should watch them up at christmas carol i love it i like trash join our facebook group which is our group on facebook where faces are booked and you are you i'm gonna take that one over again thank you so much and in three two you can also subscribe, sub tit. <laughs> yep. Here we go. God damn it. We're almost done. <laughs> Three, two. Rebecca. 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 All goats are named Rebecca now. <laughs> I don't know about that, Paul. Oh, God. <laughs> It's all right. It's all right. Oh, God. All right. I get a pee. Go pee. All right. All right. All right. It's all right.